what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, podcasting, you're listening to one, but can doing a podcast or getting involved with podcasts help your business? Most importantly, it's our annual Business Lessons from the Movies Podtacular Edition, and we'll be joined by the founders of the Foot Foot Candle Film Society, Alan Jackson and Chris Fry. We'll give you some movie ideas to make it through the holidays with a minimum of conversation with your in-laws. Finally, we'll end up with our Small Business of the Month feature where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. Welcome. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at uh, Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, happy holidays. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. This, I always look forward to this podcast. It is one of the, our favorite times of the year. Yes, it is. You know, and, and you know, for our listeners out there, Gary does have his holiday tie on today. That's right. I thought we were going to be on TV. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, as usual, this is still audio. But, I forgot. Uh, you know, know, some, slow. Some, you know, I, that's probably our best medium. You know? But anyway. <laughs> that's for sure. And, and we also want to welcome uh, uh, Chris Fry. Alan Jackson are, are here with us as well. How are you guys Brad, doing? We're doing great. Thanks for having us here today. Uh, the, and, and Chris and Alan are founders of the Foot Candle Film Society. They also have their own podcast uh, where they talk about films. It's uh, Foot Candle. Foot Candle Films. Foot Candle it's, Films. You know, it just all kind of rolls together there. Yep. So, yeah. And, we, uh, and, and where can we find Foot Candle Films? Oh, I believe you can find it on TheMesh.tv, which is uh, the same uh, podcast network in which you're listening to this wonderful plus, show. Plus iTunes. Yeah, plus iTunes. startup uh-huh. iTunes that's part of another startup, Apple. Okay. You may have heard of, but yeah. <laughs> Why don't you save that for our small business of the month feature? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get to that. But since we're talking about podcasts, we always like, before we get into the meat of our, our podtacular, we, we, we like to talk talk a little bit about business or, or a business article. And Time Magazine recently came out with an article where they listed the, their 10 most popular podcasts of the year. And for the fifth consecutive year, we're, we're not on it. We're not uh, on it again. Uh, we're going to name the other eight because of our two podcasts. No, no, you know. And we, you wanna... we specifically wrote them and said that we would like to be withdrawn from the, right. the, the list just because we, we just didn't want to embarrass the rest of the well, show. I, I, I they heard wrote they, us and told us they didn't want us to. I heard, that they, I, heard, <laughs> I heard they contacted you and wanted to do an interview and were considering. And you said, you know, if, you know unless, you That's know, right. we're not going to go that road. No, no, no yeah, exactly. Long, full day That's right. Well, in. yeah, we're just going to pass this. Year, yeah, so, either we're yeah. in or forget about it. You know, that's, that's how we roll. <laughs> you know, but we're not in it this year. You know, and and you know, Gary, I really probably blame you for this. In well, that, you know, you really, you've really, you, you've really not done a good job of marketing us. You know, and and I guess secondly, I blame our listeners for really not well, uh, making a ruckus about this. But we we encourage them to contact the failing Time Magazine and and to well, tell them that. Entrepreneur, uh, you know, exchange needs to be there. That would be our goal for 2018. Yeah. So I I think that's a good good goal to have for next year. Interestingly, of their top ten, I I sort of went through their top ten, and and I really weren't any podcasts on there that I would characterize as business podcasts. Which I there's an opening for us. There we go. So uh, you know, five I would say are more cultural. Mm -hmm. In in, and Dean must be cultural. 
you know, and maybe in a backwards type way. I don't know. Two might be more news oriented. One education, one drama, one comedy. According to that, you know, their list, their their number one was binge mode Game of Thrones. You know, so if you're a mm. Game of Thrones fan and you wanted to yeah. catch up, that's how you would have caught up. So. Well, you know, in the key for that, the reason I think that particular type of show is so popular or podcast is going to be at the top of the list is, you know, for people who are a fan of the show or any show, really, podcasting is probably one of the quickest ways for them to hear a dialogue about that show right after it airs. I mean, you could have a podcast out the very next morning of an episode the night before. So I think the timeliness of it and, of course, the fact that it's kind of, I guess, a popular show. Uh, help drive that. But yeah, um, the thing is, you know, that's not going to be the number one podcast in the seasons when the show is not being aired. So it's going to be a very seasonal thing right. to it. Yeah. Well, I, I also was, you know, you know, wrapped up in that, that internet thing and came across uh, some statistics from a group called Edison Research that uh, was just doing findings on podcast listeners, how many people are listening to podcasts. So we'll throw some statistics out there. Uh, now, 67 million Americans listen to podcasts monthly, which is up 14%. And 24% of Americans aged 12 or older listen to podcasts monthly. So you, you know, be thinking about your target market out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 42, per- 42 million Americans now listen to podcasts weekly, which is 15% of the U.S. population. Uh, and they made note of the fact that only 3% of Americans go to movies weekly. Which are they're probably either movie nights nuts like Alan and Chris, or, or you know extremely wealthy people that can afford to go to movies on a weekly <laughs> basis. Uh, podcast listening is skewing less young. In 2017, for the first time, a larger percentage of the 25 to 54 year old group was listening to podcasts. 31 percent of that group was listening to podcasts in the 12 to 24 age group. So hmm. that's the first time that that age group uh, was you know, sort of the, the the middle age group, you know, that some of us are still members of, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but uh, uh, exceeded the younger group. Podcasts are more popular among men. 27% of American men have listened to podcasts in the last month compared to 21% of women. Hmm. That's interesting. Two thirds of podcasts are listened to on a phone or tablet. So you need to make sure that you are on iTunes. Yes. And um, uh, this was interesting. 85% of listeners hear all or most of a podcast. So people are actually, if they're starting the podcast, they're generally getting to the end or close to the end. Mm -hmm. Because they want to hear those small businesses. I understand in our case. Right. So (laughs) you got to get the full experience. Full experience. Uh So anyway, you know, if podcasting, you know, if if the demographics match up with your business, which isn't for everybody, but uh, whether you're thinking about providing content uh, doing advertising, sponsorships uh, on a particular podcast, or there's probably some opportunity to promote your business. So uh, we're probably biased, but we still we're still we're pro podcasting here. Right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, and I think too, just you know, I can interject here that the advent of internet connected TVs continues to be on the rise, and more and more of these devices, whether it's an Apple TV box, whether it's uh, Amazon uh, Fire uh, TVs all have podcasting capabilities built in. So you think about it. Yes. I think you said two thirds listen on mobile, you know, phone tablet, but there's also going to be, I think an influx of people watching or you know, listening even on their TV sets. You know, if the whole key is how easy can you get to it? 
You know, if, if it's one or two clicks and you can be listening to a podcast, your chances of getting into new households or people that normally haven't listened to that are going to increase dramatically. So having it on the TV, having it on the phones, having it on your computers, I mean, it's got to be pervasive and it's got to be easy. And I think they're, I think it's getting there more and more every year. So, well, there, there was also another interesting statistic in okay. here, which I, I didn't, you know, I gave you the abridged version, but 52% of all podcasts are listened to at home. Yeah, as you know, as opposed to in the car or at work mm-hmm. or something like that. So that sort of might support uh, uh, some of some of what you're saying. There. Well, and definitely on the TV set, of course, video podcasts are going to become a, a little more prominent there too. I mean, when you think about it, it's just podcasting is broadcasting at a at a smaller level, but still with national or international exposure. So it's uh, I think it's still a fascinating field. I'm anxious to see where it goes uh, going forward. No. We'll continue to be here, or so we hope. Also, that's great. But let's get to our main topic today, which is is business lessons from the movie, from the movies. Um, and uh, here's our basic premise: We all love the holiday season. We enjoy spending quality time with friends and family, and giving gifts and getting gifts. But at some point, there's going to come a time when you're you need a break, you know, you, as opposed to, to sticking a fork in one of your in-laws. Why don't we turn on the TV or, or go to the movies and, and catch some movies? And our job is to, to give you some movie ideas that you can share with your family and uh, take a little bit of a break that hopefully will provide you some sort of business lesson as, as we go through or, or some sort of moral or something in there or something to think about from business. So mm-hmm. those sort of are our guidelines. It doesn't necessarily have to be a business movie, but... We'll, we'll, we'll sort of see where the conversation goes. And, and we don't really uh, spend a lot of time uh, sh- take, sharing notes before we start this. Uh, so, so we never really know where the conversation is going to go. So is it possible we all chose the same film? I mean, I'm just it's, saying, it, is it that is, a possibility? It is, it is possible. You know, some of us chose more than one, and I suspect you guys did as well, just in, just in case that was no, a I hope we all didn't choose the same two, so that would be awkward. I'm pretty confident. We're going to let our guests uh, start first. So, Alan, I don't, you, oh. you want to? You, would you like to kick us off with uh, one of your I, movie I, choices? I would love to. And I'll tell you, this is how many years have we been doing this now? This is third I, I, year, fourth year? It's fourth year. Fourth, 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 fourth year. Okay. So um, it's getting harder. I'm finding it a little harder to do every year um, because, honestly, my choices the first three years were so perfect that it's hard to find like more now to supplement those. Okay? You, know, you know, if you chose one from three years ago, I'm not sure our listeners would call <laughs> That's you. true. Oh, I could have just done that. We could have just taken the clip from yeah. three years ago and just played it or again. Be like rewriting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so let me, let, me, let me jump in. I had to go a little outside of the norm of what may be on the surface considered a business movie. What I just tended to do for this year is uh, pick, on, pick two that I felt like gain some incredible, valuable insight for a business person or entrepreneur, uh, even if you don't really think of these as specifically business movies. So the first one uh, is the film 12 Angry Men. Uh, this is the 1957 Sidney Lumet film uh, with uh, Henry Fonda. And, you know, pretty popular film, very famous film. I'll just give a little quick summary in case anybody is not familiar with it or has never had a chance to see it. You know, it's the defense and the prosecution have arrested and the jury's filing into a jury room to decide if a young man is innocent or guilty. And what happens is basically all the action of the film takes place inside the jury deliberation room where everybody's on one consensus path about, you know, uh, deciding that this individual's guilty except for one juror. And the whole movie is their process of taking this one juror and his efforts to try to work and convince the rest of the jury 
his viewpoint. So what I really see from it, why I've always thought it's been, it's a great movie for business. It's the power of persuasion. It's the power of leadership. I mean, it's understanding how to deal with diverse opinions and ideas because we all know that's so prevalent in the business world. You've got to know how to compromise and sometimes persuade and take a leadership role, even in situations where, um, you know, maybe you weren't prepared for that, but you find yourself having to, to make some tough decisions. So to me, you know, this whole psychology of group behavior, working with a group, working with a team, value systems of the, the people, you know, how you make important decisions, negotiations. I mean, all of that is just reflected in this film, even though there's no mention of a business or a company in any way. Mm-hmm. Those those values and those those traits are really, I think, important for any entrepreneur or somebody in a leadership role in the business community. So I I love the film. It's a classic, but and, and it didn't dawn on me the first three years we did this. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, heck yeah, that's a business movie. That's a great business values movie. So uh, Twelve Angry Men uh, from 1957. Yeah, just classic. Was that ever remade for? for, for it was. Okay, wasn't that good? Okay. No. Right. I think it was made. I think it was like a TV movie. It wasn't right. like a theatrical I, film I mean, release. Seems, seems like I remember it being yeah. out again at some point. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you just Henry, stick, stick with Henry Fonda. You stick with Henry Fonda. Okay. Absolutely, it's it's a classic. I mean, I love I mean, from just a film standpoint. I mean, I think the entire film takes place inside this one room and just how the room becomes a character and the heat and the having the fan going and people are getting sweaty in there. I mean, it's just a very, you feel a little claustrophobic, but at the same time, you really get to know these, these individuals, these jurors, they do a great job of setting these characters up to know who they are like right away. So I I just, it's a great classic film. Very good. Very good. All right, Chris, what you got? So mine is, also, you wouldn't consider it to be a business movie, but um, it definitely has some lessons. And it just came out this year, and it's called Okja. And I'll go ahead and spell that because it's kind of a weird name for a movie. It's O-K-J-A. And it's an action-adventure drama uh, that was did really well at Sundance, and Netflix bought it. So I'll get to that little business part here in a second. But the business lessons that you can kind of, you know, glean from the movie – It's about a corporation who is trying to redo themselves, okay? So they've already gone through the entrepreneurship change, and they're this huge corporation, and the very beginning of the movie is them kind of rebranding themselves. Um, And that first 10 minutes of the movie is like a genius marketing campaign that you could probably watch and learn from, but the problem with it is they don't really change. So they have this big kind of Steve Jobs keynote type thing that's just glimmering. and you're like, whoa, and they have a... But underlying that, they really don't change, and that comes back to get them in the end of the movie. So, something to consider. Also, <laughs> not uncommon in the real world. <laughs> when you're rebranding yeah. yourself, make sure, or try to make sure that you're actually doing making a change. You are doing what you say you are going to do, because if you don't, it's probably going to come back and get you. So, it's, the movie is a very interesting movie. Now, this gets over to a, another business perspective, and Alan can chime in, because we've actually talked a little bit about it. Netflix is becoming more and more a buyer of movies. And that's interesting because with this film or with another film, Mudbound, that just came out within the past two weeks, they have the possibility of maybe winning Oscars. So that's totally going to change the way movie distribution is done. And it it could be a pretty big deal. So it'll be interesting to see in in the next couple of months. And already 
they're getting movies. They go to Sundance. They go to all these different film festivals and buy things straight from there. And they may never go to the movie theater and they release them just online. So it's an interesting, I don't know, it's an interesting shift in movie distribution to watch. It is something we're keeping an eye on because obviously it, it changes how theaters operate to some degree. It changes how people view movies and how movies can be distributed. So I, I just fear that ultimately the impact will be that my it'll cost me Twelve dollars for my popcorn instead of eight dollars for my popcorn when I go to the well, theater. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's that's the only recourse, unfortunately, the theaters may have. And and uh, anyway, that's a whole whole another topic. Uh, but yes, I, I think it's an interesting model. Now, Chris, of course, yeah. Let's just make sure everybody understands. The film is about a giant genetically modified pig. Okay, yes. so just to go ahead and lay that out there. That was you know yeah. we, we were burying the lead on this one. Yes. That, that, that's that's, true. that's the film. Of course, you might have um, lost the other <laughs> messages if you started. With right. that. That's true. <laughs> um, it's a great choice, but uh, it's also a very interesting, entertaining film. Uh, Japanese film, and uh, but yes, it's about a giant, giant. Huge genetically modified pig. Uh, yeah, very and, clever uh, of Chris to use that one early before Gary and I. It was on our list as well. I, yeah, I just didn't want anybody firing it up, saying, yeah. "Oh, this is you know a business movie and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a Steve Jobs yeah, thing," and all of a sudden there's giant pigs, you know, everywhere. So. I have to dance here and take that one. <laughs> so I had a choice right. to tell my wife it's either The Wolf of Wall Street or Okja, Okja. for Christmas Day. Oh, Okja is a much, a much better. It's a much better Christmas movie than Wolf of Wall Street. But I think just about any movie could probably be a better Christmas movie than Wolf of Wall Street. That'll be with me for the rest of my life. That decision. So speaking of decisions, go ahead. I went back to 1993 and The Firm. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Tom Cruise. Uh, it's about a law firm, but it's about ethics, and it's a great movie or great message and. Very entertaining and uh, message of tax fraud and money laundering and the things that go on uh, in law firms as well as other businesses. Yeah, that was a. Uh, I remember that one in uh, Young Tom Cruise. Yeah, it was Young Tom Cruise, yeah, and, I rem- and I remember watching it. And probably that was one of the earlier movies where I really felt like they got a lot deeper into the business mm-hmm. machinations of sure, things yeah. going on. It wasn't just a, Oh, somebody's doing something bad. It was like, in okay, now here's actually what's happening and, and what's, uh, kind of how he mm-hmm. tried to cover himself. Right. So that's more about yeah, sort of lesson there. If you know, a lot of the people in your firm are dying, you might have some issues. You have, you have crazy <laughs> explosion and accidents that uh, bad things could be happening. There. But it's a good example. If you're get mesmerized or get into the culture and, you don't think about because you're so much involved in what they're doing mm-hmm. from a positive standpoint. I guess the positive not good word, but that you don't, you want to ignore or uh, don't pay attention to all the messages that are coming up, like people dying, and uh, you start rationalizing and that it might be okay until you're in too deep. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Some classic yeah, got, Tom Cruise on the table there. So, and, and, yeah. and uh, I guess that was, I don't know if that was John Grisham's first book. I don't think a Time to Kill might have been before that, but it was one of his first books, and he's done well also. Yes, so. absolutely. All right, so I was listening uh, to the radio a few weeks ago, and and uh, the, the NPR Morning Edition show they they were revisiting an older movie that felt appropriate for the time and. And, and I thought they said it was the 40th anniversary of it, but I went back. And this movie was released in 1980, 9 to 5, uh, with uh, oh, wow. Dabney Coleman uh, yes, as like a, 
sexist, uh, bigoted, I don't know, bigoted, but not a very good boss to work for, and three women uh, that work for him, played by Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda and Dolly Parton, and how he uh, is basically mistreating them, uh, harassing them, and uh, uh, being an overall bad dude. And, you know, and it's a comedy, and at the time, it sort of seemed funny. Mm. Not so funny now. <laughs> I was going to say, I, uh, I can see that looking through that from a whole different lens exactly. nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. they, and, and then on the public radio, ask some younger women to watch the movie and give their oh, thoughts wow. on it and, and see. And, and, you know, it was, you know, none of them, you know, went insane and, you know, and, and said, you know, I'm you're going to sue you for making me watch this movie. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, some of them did not see enough differences in today's workplaces as, oh, as you would hope that they would at, at this point in time. And so anyway, it's it's uh, just sort of a, a take an interesting time capsule twist on yes. uh, the workplace of, uh, you know, 30 years ago or so and, and how we hope there have been some changes and impact. So uh, it is a comedy. Uh, you know, and, and it's got a fairly happy ending and, and resolution to it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's probably safe to watch uh, with your family. But, uh, you know, just sort of interesting uh, generational type film and, and one that might be interesting to watch with uh, today's headlines. So, Because you've mentioned that film, I'm now going to have that song stuck in my head for the rest of the I, day. So for that, I apologize, Chris. <laughs> yes. So. Oh, don't apologize. It's, it's a good, it's a good song. Um, I, I, man, I even, you're right. That film, uh, I didn't even think about that, but that is a, an interesting one to go back and view now. So um, it's a shame that, you know, people aren't seeing as much progress as maybe we had hoped by them. But uh, I think interesting there's, there's what, some progress. Yeah. Interesting yeah. what kind of consisted as a comedy back at that time. And now you look at it as more of a, unfortunately, probably more of a documentary. So, <laughs> so. Mm. so. All right. So, uh, Chris. Okay. Or, well, uh, yeah. Chris or Alan. I don't care. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. You go first. So, um, my next one is actually a, a documentary. <laughs> and it's called Anvil, the story of Anvil. And you're like, okay, that's good because I have no idea who Anvil would be. So mm-hmm. I definitely need the story of them. <laughs> well, they've been a rock band since 1978. And they're from Canada. They went on tour in the early 80s with Bon Jovi, Scorpions, Whitesnake. You're like, okay, I've heard of those people, uh-huh. but I haven't heard of these people. They just, for some reason, never really hit it big. But they were still, they're still trying to make a go of it. And one of the guys is a construction worker, and the other guy is, delivers food for like a food service to like schools, and that's what they were doing. But um, when the documentary came out in 2008, they were trying to like make another album, and it was their struggles of you know still trying to do what they love and trying to make it come true. And I will not ruin the end of the movie for you, um, <laughs> or the end of the documentary. But it's just really fascinating to see two people who really have a drive, who really love music. It's what they've always wanted to do. But, you know, they've had to do work other jobs, but they still stick with the music. And although I am not a fan of their music, I am definitely a fan of the band because I just admire. You know, you can tell these are real people. (laughs) And so the business lesson was, you know, if you have something you like to do and you can turn that passion into a career or something, you know, try to stick with it. And you'll be, you know, they are very obviously fulfilled by being able to keep their band together. So it's, it's a really... 
it's a funny documentary, sometimes unintentionally so. <laughs> um, they go on a very disastrous, they get booked to do a European tour, and they're like, oh, this is going to be our big comeback. Doesn't go so well. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's kind of like, a lot of people have said it's kind of like a real-life spinal tap. I mean, it's like an actual band that has kind of the misfortunes of that fictional band. And so anyways, uh, Anvil, the story of Anvil, um, I really liked it. I think you can, you know, the inspiration of trying to, you know, follow your dreams and stuff is definitely in that film. So, have you seen I, it? Andy? I have, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I can attest to it. It's a good film. So. I'm, I'm a sucker for the, the music rock type uh, yeah. uh, movies. Yeah, you should see this. It's good. It's a very good one. All right. Yeah. All right, Alan, what you got? Uh, so I'll continue on the vein that Chris started of the documentaries that have something to do with show business. So mine's, I'm really excited about this one. Cause to me, this, this, as soon as I saw it, I thought, Oh my gosh, Jeff and Gary, I need to talk to them <laughs> during the podtacular uh, celebration because this film fits in my mind perfectly. So there was a TV show um, back in gosh, I don't remember the year. I think it was in the early 2000s. That was called uh, the Dana Carvey Show. Dana mm-hmm. Carvey, yeah. comedian. Uh, he was on Saturday Night Live for many, many years. Big, very famous. It was big news when he left Saturday Night Live and was going to go do his own comedy variety show on ABC, I believe. And he was written up in magazines and newspapers. Everybody's excited about this new show. He lined up an incredible slate of people to be writers or actors on this show. People you had not heard of at the time, Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, Louis CK, uh, Bob Odenkirk, who's the uh, breaking bad guy. Uh, um, Bear call Saul, yeah. uh, Robert Smigel, who's a writer for Saturday night live and, and does triumph the unsult dog. And he had all these people lined up. This was, I mean, at the time looking back on it, it was an amazing array of comedic writers and actors, but nobody knew hardly any of those names before. Stephen Colbert was living in an apartment with his wife and kid and sweating bullets trying to figure out how he was going to get rent paid next month. Uh, Steve Carell was known by nobody. He was doing improv work at, a, at somewhere. So these guys, this is their first break. They come together. They're going to help write this variety show. And they funnel all this creativity, all this manic energy, just this desire that we're actually going to be on network TV and we're going to be working with Dana Carvey. It's going to be great. And the first episode comes out and – the fans hate it from the very first skit it shows. And I'm not even going to describe the first skit. It's, it's a very troubling skit that's put on the first five minutes of the show airing on primetime ABC and hearing this, this is so a documentary was made about this show because the show only lasted, I think six episodes, this huge show business uh, story got shot down within like basically a few minutes of the first air episode airing. Even the guys that are interviewed for this documentary say, we're watching this all together when it's airing. And as soon as that first couple skits airs, we're like, what did we just do? <laughs> and they're all worried that they're never going to work again because this is just, the Titanic you know, has hit the ice. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. But the big message, well, let me back up and say that the documentary is called too funny to fail. And it's a documentary about this show and it's on Hulu, which is another kind of going on Chris's, Previous, uh, the giant pig recommendation being on Netflix, mine is on Hulu. So that's how it was distributed. And it's a great documentary because what it does is it explores this idea of people who are incredibly creative, wanting to do something with that creativity, but yet 
having to still remember that if, if this is a commercial endeavor where you're trying to attract an audience, they all kind of acknowledge that maybe the creativity kind of got away from them and they forgot that they're actually putting together something that, you know, is meant to entertain a large audience. Know your market. Obviously. Know your market. That's really <laughs> what it is. Know your market and create the product as opposed to have a product and Exactly. It's almost like the dangers of just throwing a lot of creative people together and say, do whatever you want to do. And then you turn out it doesn't actually meet anybody's needs on the audience. Now, the documentary does come around and, and show the positives of it all. Because, of course, all the people I mentioned that are writers obviously went on to have very, very good careers. And they do they do give this experience on this short lived show as one of the reasons why they're able to be where they are now, because it gave them some confidence to go out and try some things. It gave them some recognition, but from a business standpoint to me, as I was watching this, I'm like, wow, I think anybody in a creative profession needs to watch this and just remember that if you're doing, if you're making a business out of creativity, you have to remember your audience. You have to remember that, you know, you're there to provide something that an audience can find enjoyment, appreciation from. And it's a cooperative thing. I'm not saying you should sell out everything you do, but just you can't, you know, if you're going to make a TV show just to entertain yourself, then make it and just show it in your own home TV. And that's all you need. It's just an audience of one. <laughs> it and that's it. Podcast. It could be a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, otherwise, you know, you got to remember your audience and you've got to remember your, you know, it's still a commercial endeavor in these places. And, um, I just thought it was a great example. And plus, the documentary is really funny. It's just you get all these guys talking about their time and experience. And um, it's it was a really great, great show. So I, I definitely think that balance of creativity along with being a business is, is important to remember. On That's those. a big message. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Gary. Okay. Mine's a recent TV movie. Flint, Michigan. Ooh. Never heard of it. It's about the problem with the water sure in Michigan. oh wow and it was i was channel surfing okay, okay right literally and watched for a few minutes and i said i just like you said i thought this is perfect for the yeah spectacular. Hmm. Uh, because i would not have watched it at, at first because i kind of knew the story and didn't think about it sure. but i'm glad i did because it really talked about again it's from a business message mm-hmm. and the city and different people were making decisions with people's lives mm-hmm. from a cost standpoint mm-hmm. and the whistleblowers and they went after the whistleblowers and pushed them to the side and it's kind of like things we see today i guess everywhere where the cover-up's worse than mm-hmm. uh, the decision but they find mm-hmm. out that you know they could have done things much differently and they even had some decisions that were agreed to by higher up politicians that they decided not to go mm-hmm. with that would have made it much safer for the, hmm. the people. I mean, oh boy. It's kind of scary to, to have watched. I mean, I've heard all the headlines and read sure, all right. things about it, but you kind of got to live it for those people. I mean, it was a bad. I wasn't even aware that there was a documentary. Yes, the name of it, it is Flint, Michigan? Flint, Mich- Flint. Mm. It's either Flint or Flint, Michigan. Okay. I wrote my note down. Mm. Uh, but it was really, whether from a quality of a movie standpoint i'm not sure sure uh but from a, a message standpoint sure I mean, it really hit me and said my gosh i mean and ties into politics and business mm. and or the cost side of it and people making decisions just from a pure money standpoint that was really mm. tearing up people on a personal level you know it's just uh, and it's why i'm i'm so thankful that there's so many formats and mediums available for stories like that to be told and for us to get a better insight because, you know, people going into the business world, I mean, 
you know, it's, it's one thing to be watching movies about how to uh, market, how to grow, how to be an entrepreneur, how to make money. But I mean, the ethics, the mm-hmm. yeah. underlying ideas yeah, are still so important. Yeah. I was noticing that right they, now. Again, we're talking about business movies, but they're really not. They're movies on ethics. Which yeah. Are what we do in our lives. Well, and the impact of your decisions. Absolutely. Well, you brought up a good, good point that the actual, fallout of the decisions they made were actually more damaging to the company than, than the choices they were making. I mean, by making this bad, poor choice, they actually found themselves in a much, much worse situation yeah. than they would have had if they had dealt with it uh, beforehand. Yeah, early so, on right. A lower yeah. cost and yeah. much better situation for everybody. So that's a good lesson as well, just a practical lesson. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to face up to an issue and a problem and deal with it head on than to try to Defer, delay, hide the cover back because the end result will be so much more traumatic. That's why I tell my kids when they try to cover up something. It's like, you you just tell me. It'll be bad, but it'll be a whole lot worse if I find out later. That's right. right. Yep. Mm -hmm. We call it good parenting. Good job. I try. I try. All right. Uh, I I was at a conference last month, and, and the keynote speaker there was a fellow named Brian Hamilton, who is the founder of a data company called SageWorks, and he's a commentator on CNBC and and he was talking to us and he said if you ever want to understand the passion and determination of an entrepreneur you need to watch the documentary Man on Wire Mm -hmm. which I'm sure that Alan and Chris have seen I don't know if you've seen it but it's 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 a movie it's a documentary about the tightrope walker Philip Petit who was the person that put up a wire between the trade centers, the World Trade Centers in New York City in 1974, mm-hmm. uh, very illegally, and uh, basically you know, walked between them. And it's sort of a combination of interviews and actual footage, and, and some of it, I think, is, is recreated. But, but you know, if, if you watch the footage of this guy walking across the World Trade Centers, it's, it's, in, it's, it's eerie, and that they're obviously not there any longer. It's 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 frightening, um, yeah. and and incredible. But going through his journey to get there, and and his passion, and his determination, and his unwillingness to let anything stop him in this, uh, struck Mr. Hamilton as. This is the passion of an entrepreneur who who is going to go through whatever obstacles, barriers get in his way to accomplish and start a business, grow a business, um, and and those are very much on display in this movie. So it's it's a very interesting story, yeah. uh, you know, and and you're probably aware of it, but mm-hmm. you you know, but but to to actually see the footage is is really quite amazing and, and and to go through it and 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 to, to see what they did to actually get the the wire across the the buildings <laughs> it's and, pretty crazy and uh you know it's i have a fear of heights so just well, it. <laughs> it, this me, won't help uh, it a little quick. <laughs> but uh you know just uh, you know it, it's a very interesting documentary in its own right but if yeah. you think about it in terms of the passion that the guy uh, exhibited that's Sort of Absolutely, and you hear like you know in business you hear people say, "Well, that, we just don't do it that way. That can't be done." And this guy's like, "I'm going to do this, and there, like you said, nothing is going to stop me, and I'm going to do it because I want to do it." And he he did <laughs> that yeah. drive was definitely there. It's just, and I had never before seeing the documentary, I'd never heard of that, 
And then at first I was like, this has to be fake. There's no way. And I was like, no, because after I watched the documentary, it still went on the internet, looked at him like, no, this, this really happened. This guy really did this. It's just, yeah, you just, there's no way that could, there's no way that can be true, but it, it is. It yeah. blows your mind. It was not fake news. It really, <laughs> no, really, it's really true news. Yeah. So, um, so the documentary, I absolutely agree. The documentary is the recommendation you ought to be making. Now there was a, if, if, if somebody's not into documentaries, there was a, uh, acted version of the story called The Walk that Robert Zemeckis did just a few years ago, maybe mm-hmm. five, six years ago, I believe. Um, it's okay. I mean, it's not a great film, I don't think. Uh, I, I'd much rather watch the documentary. But uh, for some people who just you know, would rather see it acted out and more of the story to it, there is a version of it uh, as a movie. Now, if you are afraid of heights, I would not watch that version because they spend quite a bit of time Focusing on the visual mm. impact of somebody up on a high wire. So that I wouldn't been watching it. No. Even if I was in the room. <laughs> the documentary is better to watch from that standpoint because it doesn't actually put you up there and, you know, mm-hmm. from that vantage point. But, um, you know, both of them together complete the whole story. But the documentary is definitely the better film of the two, I think. So it's a great recommendation. And, uh, yeah, now you're not encouraging people to go out and – deliberately break the law and pull these stunts, right? I mean, just we're talking about ethics. Yeah. yeah, we are talking ethics. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just a student of these things. Yeah. I'm, I'm making value okay. judgments at this time. You know, we'll right. We'll later. Right. So. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, Sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Other movies. Other We have other movie recommendations. Uh, you know, I, I, I wrestled with one, but... I was concerned that maybe it was going to send the wrong ethics message, but since you just brought up man on wire and encouraging people to go break the law and do high wire acts, I guess I'll just mention one more that came to mind for me that I think uh, is, is kind of a fascinating one too. Um, catch me if you can, um, which I don't think any of us have mentioned before on this, on this particular format. Um, that's the one to Leonardo DiCaprio playing someone who uh, is well known as a, a, a kind of a swindler, kind of a con man, that's how he made his career, basically, you know, for all of his life, going through and impersonating different people and careers and just finding all the ways to get by and cheat the system to get ahead. Now, again, I'm not recommending anybody follow that path, but if you want to talk about somebody with just problem-solving skills and just determination, the movie that Steven Spielberg did about this guy puts him in a light of someone who just wanted initially to make a better life for himself and his family situation. It got away from him. It got way out of control and it got to a point where, you know, legally it should never have gone. But the determination side of, if you want to play off of that, I thought was really interesting. And it is something where from a problem solving standpoint, creative thinking, determination, all of that's there from a business standpoint. Just again, uh, I didn't want to make it one of my top two recommendations because again, uh, didn't want it to be where we're, you know, creating con men out of uh, listen listeners from our show here, but um, I do think it's a good example of another one that kind of portrays that that drive the same way that Man on Wire does. It's kind of this: this is how I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it, and watching the mechanics of make, of following through with that. So, yeah, 
And the fact that the guy now is actually working with the FBI and working with the government to actually help other people spot con men and counterfeiters and all that. So it does end with a, there is some good that comes out of it, out of the whole experience. Yeah. All right. You guys have any others that you want to share? I'm, I'm, I'm all out. <laughs> <laughs> the only other one I was going to throw out there and, and, you know, which I enjoyed, you know, it wasn't not a award nominated, but a recent movie was uh, The Founder with uh, oh, yeah. a story about Ray Kroc oh my gosh. Uh, that came out in 2016. And, you know, and I, I think uh, Michael Keaton stars as Ray Kroc, mm-hmm. and it's the story of, of uh, how he finds uh, this single McDonald's franchise in California as he's selling uh, milkshake machines and uh, starts to partner with the two brothers that own it and eventually uh, learns about franchising and growing. Mm-hmm. And while the two brothers are more concerned about quality and perfection, he, you know, he has his own vision and uh, over time uh, gains control of the company and sort of pushes them out and goes on to – to great fame and fortune uh, as an entrepreneur. It's sort of your entrepreneur story that we, we've all heard and, and grappled with from, from uh, Steve Jobs to Mark Zuckerberg to uh, Jeff Bezos of, of you know, just... Uh, uh, Jeff Newell? No, 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 <laughs> no, I was going to say. No, yeah. no, but uh, the, some ethical dilemmas there of, of you know, what are you willing to do to uh, succeed and, and, and choices that you're going to make. You know, I think I have a soft spot for this movie, and that I was, I was very disappointed that Michael Keaton didn't get the best Academy, the best best actor for Birdman, and that that bugs me still. You know, uh, I'm with you. Yeah, that uh, yeah. I I really liked him in that. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm a Michael Keaton fan. Yes. Uh, so enjoyed that movie. Can I ask you a question, Jeff? Just on that, because I'm I'm a I'm personally very very angry with myself for not thinking of that film because that would have been an obvious choice for me for this year too obvious, too obvious for you well we showed ahead. it we showed it at our film society uh, screenings we, we early in the year yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right uh, brought it with your your, your program I mean yeah it was just an obvious pick we should have, we should have brought it up um, but you know the thing I got in a conversation with somebody about that film Ray Kroc the, the whole uh, character study of him and his business ethics you know if you look at things he didn't do anything illegally in the business world, mm-hmm. um, he he played by the rules on paper and the boundaries available to him. You know, so some people I've, I've talked to said, well, you know, I don't really see Ray Kroc as a bad. I mean, the movie kind of paints him as a little bit of a bad guy by the end, yeah. you know, outside of the um, whatever he may have been doing with uh, his wife or all that. Taking right. the personal stuff right, aside, right, right. you know, on the business side, you know, some people I talked to find just as much fault with the original McDonald brothers for not being more cooperative and not being more open minded and not being more, you know, looking at opportunities. And it kind of it really was a story of two completely different approaches to business, just mm-hmm. completely splitting the McDonald brothers. I mean, gosh, I sound I'm just going to be. I don't know. I'm probably going to get some hate mail on this, but the McDonald brothers, you know, created a great restaurant and a great service and a great culture for that organization. But you guys admit Ray Kroc, for whatever harm you think McDonald's as a multi-million dollar or a billion dollar corporation has, they've also given so much back out and supported things in the community and hired so many people and created so many jobs. you know, I can't come out of the movie saying who's a bad guy, who's a good guy. I mean, I think the movie definitely played his faults a little bit more. 
But from a business standpoint, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to feel about it when I walk away from the movie. Well, perhaps a business lesson is really be careful who you partner with just to make sure that your goals and visions are in alignment. Yeah, because oh, that's the, a good the, idea. The, 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 they obviously were not with this and that the, the, the two McDonald's brothers were very content uh, having one good restaurant or maybe they would have been content having five good restaurants and that was not Ray Kroc's ambition. His, yeah. his was to be you know, uh, worldwide. And, and, and I think that and, is a great message yeah. you know, getting started. Understand the personalities and the goals yeah. of the people you're dealing with because when you're first getting started you have those rose-colored glasses. Well, yeah, he doesn't do it the same way I do, but it'll all work out. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't always work out. doesn't always work out. Yeah. I have no ill will against McDonald's. So I sort of assume if McDonald's wasn't here, we'd be eating more cheeseburgers from somebody else. Somebody else would have filled yeah, that so spot. I, You're right. I, I and you know that I start every day with a 32 ounce Coke and a 32 ounce iced tea for McDonald's. Nice. So here, two dollars and fourteen cents. Perfect. <laughs> Breakfast of champions. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts is mine, so that's where my coffee comes from. So yeah, I know. I know All the right. feeling. Well, we've given. You lots of movie choices to to hopefully get through your holidays, um, and, and we do wish everyone happy holidays Absolutely. there. But we also like to end with uh, some small businesses that you should be checking out, and, and we invited uh, Chris and Alan to share some of their small business ideas. So, Chris, uh, you have a small business that you'd like to share with us. I do. Um, I was attending a benefit for the March of Dimes recently, and they have all sorts of food tables and stuff out there. And one of the tables was actually they were giving out cocktails with bourbon. I was like, oh, that's cool. That looks nice. And then the guy was, you know, talking and handing out business cards. I was like, wait a second. You're actually local, made in North Carolina. That kind of blew my mind. Sure enough, uh, in Conover, 1712 Spirits. They have a website. They've got a blog that has recipes and stuff you can make. Make your own um, bourbon? Not make your own bourbon, <laughs> but take your bourbon and make your own cocktails. Oh, and man. I mean, I was just I was fascinated by that. I think, you know, we had the trend in North Carolina. We've, we've done the wineries, and then we've done breweries, all of which are excellent, you know. And now, to me, I'm like, okay, this is this is another way that's going to start up. It's like distilleries making, you know, in this case, bourbon. But then, you know, who knows? Maybe some people will make vodka in North no, Carolina. No. Who knows? Good gambling, um, prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> but they, and they, they do uh, distillery tours as well. On Saturdays, you can go by and have a tour of the distillery. And I think they give you a shot glass at the end of the, the tour. So um, Southern Spirits, no, 1712 Southern Spirits is the name of the company. It's in uh, Conover, North Carolina. And they've got a website and everything. I'll have to check that out. It's where I live. I don't know where it is. Of course, Conover is a really big place. Right. It's sprawling. Absolutely. It's about as big as this room. But they're doing some really uh, Conover's. I am Conover and even that whole area around us. They're doing some really great things they with really some of their downtown and business development efforts. I think they're really trying to embrace some some new startups. That's that's really cool to hear hear that one there. So I'm a I'm a bourbon guy. So I'm, I'm I've it feverishly have been taking notes while you've been talking here. So yeah. <laughs> all right, Alan, what uh, what small business do you want to? So mine's uh, not local. It's a it's a national one that anybody could actually take take advantage of, no matter where you're listening to this. Um, I'm a big fan of businesses that decide to disrupt um, existing business channels. You know, and, and, and I feel bad sometimes giving these recommendations or talking about these online companies that make things simpler and easier to get some of the goods and services we need. Because I do realize that sometimes this maybe cuts out some middlemen and other groups. But I also am a firm believer that you know businesses need to make sure they're accommodating the times and they're growing with the times and they're meeting 
a changing dynamic in our, our society, which is we want things a little more conveniently. We want to be able to like kind of work things into our own schedules. The world isn't necessarily set on an eight, eight to five schedule for everything anymore. So contacts, contact lenses are a really big hang up for me. I, uh, I, I, I wear them, but as you, those of you around the table can see, I'm not wearing them right now. I'm wearing my glasses because these contacts keep bothering me and they're just uncomfortable and ordering them is just sometimes a pain because I have to feel like I have to go in and set up an appointment and I got to go get them checked out and then I got to place the order, get my prescriptions and so on and so forth. So even though the, I, I feel like I need to be changing contacts more often than I am, it's more of a problem of not wanting to just because of the time involved to do it. So I use glasses a lot more. But there's actually a website now called Simple Contacts, and I read up on the company, and I mean, they're doing some innovative things, much like we've seen companies do with mattresses, and we've seen with shaving kits, you know, it's this whole idea of, let us find a much easier, more economical way to get you these things as as a consumer. With Simple Contacts is actually an app you install on your phone, and you can do an eye chart test uh, from your phone, so you can get your prescription uh, verified there. Before you think that I'm cutting out doctors and eye doctors, it's not. And they're very clear to say that, you know, we do not take the place of an of a regular eye exam because we do not check for potential eye diseases or anything at all wrong with your eyes. All we're doing right now is making sure you've got a validated prescription so you can quickly order new contacts and you make sure everything's going to work. I'm like, that's perfect for me. I still want to go to the eye doctor once a year or so and get an eye check done. But in the meantime, if I just want to get some new contacts where I want to check my prescription, see if anything needs to be updated, I can do that now through this business that started up just recently. So it's simplecontacts.com, I believe, is actually the website. Um, It is an app on the uh, App Store for iPhone. I'm sure it's for Android as well. But simplecontacts.com is the website if you want to read more about it, exactly how it works and what they do. They have professionals reviewing all the prescription orders on the backside when you submit them based on photographs it takes of your eyes when you you use your phone and the eye test you take to validate everything. So it's not just all completely automated. There's a little bit of some medical experience involved to review it. But again, I just I love the fact that we have these opportunities and businesses are starting up these ways of finding ways to better connect with consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't mean it to be a disruption to existing businesses, but I also feel like existing businesses need to kind of make sure they're adapting their services yeah. uh, to meet the times as yeah, well. So be changing. With that's right. So simple contacts, I think, just started up in the last uh, in the last year, and uh, I'm I'm excited to kind of give them a whirl and see how that goes. So, right. well, good deal. Yeah. Very good. Thanks. All right, Gary, what you got? Well, mine is a not-for-profit. It's called Blue Line Bears. This is a not-for-profit organization with the goal of helping children of fallen law enforcement officers. And it started by a 14-year-old girl wanting to reach out to the children of fallen officers and make them feel better and see the people Mm -hmm. caring about them. She actually... It's just starting, and it's very small, but it was really a cool thing I saw on TV. I saw it twice in two days, and I decided, I think once Fox, once on CBS, and I said, well, it, that's about equal. <laughs> you get a nice coverage that's all across the board, yeah. So obviously it was a good, real thing. A 15-year-old girl saying she wants to help the children. She's actually getting uh, uniforms from the fallen officers and they're making oh. teddy bears out of them. Oh, uh, that's nice. The, uh, emblems, and uh, if they've got a... I guess for a sergeant, those type of things, and doing that, and then she sends it back out. And the last thing, that, along with the bear, they give a, a St. Michael's medal 
blessed by a priest before the mail to the family. So mm-hmm. it's cool. very small, not for profit, but really a great cost. Well, and just when you think about a fifteen-year-old, oh, yeah, that's great. That, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, you're building awareness. You're you're building a better connection with kids and uh, police officers and the police force. I mean, it's just and you're uh, re- recognizing and. Um, those that have fallen in duty, it's, it's, it's great. And started by a kid, too. That's awesome. That's always good to hear. Good job. All right. Well, my small business of the month uh, is the, the winner of our regional business plan competition, which we, we have in this part of North Carolina called the Edison Project. It's a company called Foothills Digest, which is a magazine and website devoted to the Foothills region of North Carolina, which really stretches from uh, – our area here in Catawba County down towards Charlotte, North Carolina, and up north up to Boone and Blowing Rock. Um, And it was founded by a local designer and photographer whose name is Carmen Eckerd. And uh, she entered and and won our Edison uh, project competition uh, back in November, and she is receiving $10,000 in funding towards her business. Um, and of note, uh, the Mesh Podcast Network is a former winner of the Edison competition. Yes, uh, you know it's old school to put out a magazine these days, but uh, Carmen and her team really put together an outstanding business plan. They're targeting local uh, markets, local readers. It's a very high quality magazine focusing on the Foothills area, history, art, activity, beautiful photography. They've already put out their first edition. Uh, they're working with local travel groups to uh, uh, get circulation out there. They've sold advertising. Uh, you know, she's done all the work to figure out what her break-even is in terms of the advertising she has to sell, and so far she is exceeding that. So uh, she did a great job in our competition. So we want to give uh, Foothills Digest a, a shout-out and encourage people to, to go visit them, and they can do that online at uh, foothills.media backslash digest and you can see about the magazine you can subscribe to the magazine if you like and see some of the articles for free online but uh, you know it's a holiday time you should also get a subscription to it's the a magazine. great choice so well, it, i was going to say on that too you made the comment about you know the magazines maybe being a more kind of traditional form of, of communication and, and some people question magazines in today's digital world but when you've got a publication that's so visual I mean, the photography and all that it's kind of like our state magazine, which, you know, is mm-hmm. North Carolina, a very popular magazine. That magazine, I think, will stay around for a very long time because people like when it's a visual and something you want to have in your house and you want to be have for you and for guests mm-hmm. to read. That kind of publication I don't think is going to go away in the digital world. I still think you're going to have that published hands-on uh, type of experience, uh, especially because it's so visually based. I think that's really important. I agree. So, and small businesses, we're putting them in the cosmetology school at CBCC for the waiting room because right. they have a salon. There you go. That's great. Well, I want to thank uh, Alan and Chris for, for joining us again for another podtacular holiday <laughs> extravaganza podcast. You know, we look forward to doing it again next year. Yeah, because we hate talking about movies. I know. How, how dare you bring us in to talk about movies for an hour? Uh, our listeners out there, if you have ideas for the small business of the month, you can send them to us at eexchange at the mesh.tv. 
Uh, we want to thank the Mesh uh, Network for hosting us. You can go out to themesh.tv and see the entire, uh, uh, all the podcasts that are, are part of the network there. So please check that out. You can download us at themesh.tv. You can subscribe to iTunes. So please do that. We wish you uh, great holiday seasons, and we'll look forward to talking with you again uh, early in 2018. Happy holidays. All right. Thank you. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.